Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. First of all, we want to give thanks to God for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, because Jesus died on our behalf. And so his sacrifice was substitutionary. And so um, in classical theology, we speak about the substitutionary death of Christ and that he died for others not for his own sins, because he himself, in his essence and nature, is impeccable. He is the sinless one. Our Christ is impeccable. He is the sinless one. So we give God thanks for him and for the so great salvation that we have through him. And I like the, the word salvation means rescue. It means rescued out from extreme harm and danger. And so this is what Jesus did for us. Uh, the word also means to be dragged away from danger, to be dragged out of danger. He did that for us. And so thank God uh, for our Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that, uh, let us have a word of prayer and begin our study for this evening. We do thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity to study your word. We ask to be guided by the Spirit, the indwelling Spirit of the Lord, uh, who is our primary teacher and who gives the only one who gives us discernment as to your word, its content, meaning, and message for our lives. And we do thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Apostle Peter's templates of the coming judgment uh, is our subject for tonight. The Apostle Peter's templates of the coming judgment. So uh the cosmic system heroically negates the second coming because it understands that it means its crushing defeat and subsequent eradication. And so uh, we're going to begin there and uh, tonight. So I want to go to John's gospel and, and John chapter one, and John gives us uh, a synopsis of Peter's, divine biography, that is his meeting with Christ. Now, I want you to know carefully that uh, in John chapter 1, the language uh, that is used by the Apostle John never intimates, indicates, never speaks about Peter accepting Jesus as his Savior. In fact, you will not find that language anywhere in the New Testament. It is theology. It is not the word of God. So uh, the word of God, uh, John uses the word believe into him, believe into Jesus. And, and, with, and John <clears throat> uses the word to indicate an initial belief that grows in, uh, that grows in depth. 
And so it, uh, so John uses that word, uh, and so that is the essential meaning uh, of that's given provided for us in the New Testament. So I'm going to uh, <clears throat> begin reading at uh, in John chapter one verse thirty-five. Quote: The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, "Look." The Lamb of God. Two disciples heard him say this. They followed him. It's a very important word in the Greek New Testament. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. Now, uh, that this come and see is uh, there are in John's gospel there are sixty five references to seeing and fifty eight references to hearing. So I want you to get the essence of of understanding the content of John's gospel because when I go to Second Peter and I speak about uh, the templates of the coming judgment, I want you to have this as as a background, this information. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about uh, the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Uh, these, These verbs are very important. Heard, followed, heard, followed. These are very important verbs in the text for us to grasp. Verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now, of course, uh, this is Peter's uh, original name, Simon. And uh, Jesus uh, I love what Jesus, uh, the, the initial meeting that uh, Simon has with Jesus. Uh, listen to the language carefully. Quote, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So Cephas, uh, uh, is originally an Aramaic term. Now, and so uh, Peter, uh, that word, that it means a stone or a rock. It also means a ledge or a cliff. And so, or so are you so resembling a rock. Um, this word uh, is very important in the text. Uh, as as we shall see later. So that that is his new name. Now notice, Jesus looked, and Jesus said, what? You are. Speaking of uh, Simon's original condition, you are, state of being verb, uh, uh, who he is now. And so what we have here is what we call the, the, the new name motif. And so this is a, 
and here it indicates a new beginning. Uh, this this uh, motif is used throughout the Word of God. It is used in the Old Testament. It is used in the New Testament. And so we have the word uh, blepho, uh, used with looked, and blepho uh, is used metaphorically here. The verb it means to look at with the mind. To look at with the mind. So here Jesus summarizes Simon's old life you are. Everything that was involved with the past you are. The good things that we did or we thought or believed that were good but were and are not good enough for God. The bad things, the shameful things, the things we dare not speak about or share with uh, another person. You are. To me, uh, just the uh, unheard of things that we dare not say out loud or even to ourselves. And so we, we seek to bury our transgressions. But we bury our transgressions, uh, when, we, when we attempt to bury them, they are alive. And so one brother has a book about this very condition, and he called it A Banquet in the Grave. You can look it up, Banquet in the Grave. Uh, we can't, you and I cannot bury uh, transgressions and sins and lies uh, in the graves that we make for them because they are shallow. You know, and these things are, these things are self-serving. We cannot do this. And so Jesus said, Jesus looked at him with a mind, and he said, you are. And then Jesus said, also, you will be. You will be. And so this is uh, wonderful. And so uh, Peter has, he will uh, transform from death. To life, there will be that hiatus in his life, and he will be servant of the Son of God. So, um, so I needed you to have that background about Peter. Peter will suffer many things uh, in growing up in Christ. He will suffer many things. And uh, so now I'm in First Peter chapter four verse one. So Peter understands suffering, uh, and he know he Peter knows that it is through suffering that God builds uh, divine character into his life. God does. God uses suffering for a very strategic purpose, not to discourage us, but to build us up in the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, I'm speaking about saints who are in the will of God. I'm not speaking about carnal saints. Carnal saints, that is, uh, who are in the flesh, and I shouldn't even say carnal saints, but those in the flesh um, create their own misery. And uh, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the godly, uh, the righteous, those who... Uh, suffer uh, according to the will of God. 
4, verse 1, we read, quote, For as much then as Christ hath suffered, past tense, for us in the flesh. And he has to use this specific language because the Gnostics uh, had a belief of a, a phantom, a phantom Jesus. And they say all kind of uh, apostate things about the cross and, and, and the person of Jesus. <laughs> Excuse me. And so it is important to use this language in this precise manner. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. You see that language? That language cannot be overlooked the way it is written. Now, notice, notice the martial nature of the language, the military nature of the language. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Or uh, by extension, it means uh, to be equipped with weapons. Now, and then he goes on. Likewise, in the same with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. That is the 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 practice of sin uh, is is no more in the life. Uh, now remember, according to First John one nine, we do sin, and according to First John one nine, when we sin, we confess our sins, and God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. So unrighteousness uh, bespeaks those those sins that that we may be ignorant of. Okay? And so the the blood of Christ, the perfect blood of Christ, cleanses the wounds that are left by sin. All sin leaves a wound. And uh, we have to be aware of that. So uh, I'm not going to go into much of the language. I, I, I need to get on. Now, uh, verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, Excessive wine, reveling, banqueting, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Look, so because you now belong to Christ and uh, you no longer party uh, with them, so terrible things are said about about you as a believer. And so this is what uh, Peter wants uh, wants you to understand. So uh, he, he enjoins believers to understand what it is that God wants us to understand about who we are. And so we belong to Jesus. And because we belong to Jesus, we are different. And the people with whom we partied before now say evil and nasty things about us because now we belong to Christ. 
and we uh, we no longer identify with the Gentiles. And so Peter, this is what he says about those who continue in that type of living. So verse 4, 2 Peter 4, 4, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead, that is, should be the living and the dead. Who shall, these people will give an account to the Lord. And so this is why the cosmic system does not like to herald the second coming of Jesus. And this is why they have perverse teachers, false teachers, fake teachers, lying teachers, ill-educated so-called teachers uh, talking about or pretending to teach uh, systematic eschatology, and these people do not have the the requisite background, no training. They may want to get you worked up, lathered up, and get you to believe that, well, uh, now we're here on the timeline, and uh, this verse has been fulfilled, and this this other verse or passage is being fulfilled right now. No, it's not. There are certain cues uh, that God has provided for us. Now, no man knows the day or the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Okay. That refers to the second part of the second coming of Jesus. First part of the second coming has to do with the snatching out of the church, the snatching out of believing ones, both those who are, are alive at the coming of Jesus and those who are dead will be removed. Okay? Now, Paul writes that he that letteth will let until he is taken out of the way. So uh, this is a reference to the, uh, to the restraining power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is restraining uh, the full manifestation uh, of what is going to be horrific judgment and the horrific government that is coming upon this planet. So uh, Peter, uh, uh, Paul all talks about the great apostasy that is to come. And Peter speaks of that apostasy that is to come also. So for, uh, so who, verse 5, second, uh, 1 Peter 4, 5, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the living and the dead? For, for, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but, but live according to the spirit of God. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch into prayer. Listen to the language. But the end of all things is at hand. So one day I will give a study on the word telos, which is a word that he uses here for uh, the, the word end, the noun end. And above all things, have fervent love among yourselves. Above all things, fervent love. For love shall cover the multitude of sins. So use hospitality one to another without grudging. Verse 12, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery 
trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. One of the fundamental doctrines of the uh, the the uh, New Testament apostles is suffering with Christ. Suffering with Christ. One of the fundamental defining doctrines. The New Testament prophets do not talk about uh, get the, the fake teachers like to talk about pie in the sky. And this is the way they refer to the promises of God. And so they abuse people. <laughs> they tell the sheep, well, I need a new jet. And God told me uh, that the money will be provided. If not, uh, uh, I'm going to die if, if this isn't done. Oh, man, uh, these, these televangelists, man, have been something. And people have what? People have given a lot of these guys money to buy a jet. Well, if I'm going to share the gospel, I need to get rid of my old jet and buy a newer jet. You don't want to hold back the gospel. I mean, just the manipulation is incredible. Uh, some are more subtle, but but you get the, the, the spirit of what's going on here. Uh, verse 13, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers or participate in Christ's sufferings. Notice the language. Rejoice in as much as you are. Notice the verb, state of being verb. You are partakers of Christ's suffering. Now, <clears throat> this word uh, suffering is, is from the word pasco, and it means uh, it also it means suffering. It means affliction. Romans eight eighteen. 2 Corinthians 1.5, Hebrews 2.9. But rejoice. Rejoice. Why? Then we have the purpose clause. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. 2 Peter 1.3 and 4. If you be reproached, and that word here means defamation. Um, it, it's it's an old word. It means to cast in the teeth. And man, uh, teeth is an old word picture of of being eaten. Uh, it is also used in the book of Daniel. It's used by the psalmist. It's also used in the book of Proverbs uh, to to eat. Uh, uh, here it means the word is cast in the teeth. If he be reproached for the name of Christ. Uh, again, he's a state of being verb. He's talking about what these believers are experiencing now. They need to understand now. Uh, well, look, I, I, I am in Christ, and these things are happening. Why? If he be reproached or defamation. Uh we're going to cast you out of the synagogue, like the man who uh, Jesus healed in, in John chapter 5. Uh, the authorities found out, asked him questions. They, they didn't care that he had been healed after, uh, what, over 30 years? They didn't care about it. He, could, he, was, he, he was healed and he could walk. And uh, they... Uh, they went to the parents. They came to him. They threatened to kick the parents out of the synagogue, uh, just reproach. 
And um, so they wanted to know from this man, well, who did this? Who healed you? And, and he gave testimony to Jesus. And uh, then Jesus went to the man, and Jesus had a talk with him. You should read what Jesus said to him. And it is through Jesus that we learn that his sickness, his illness, was because of his sin. Not all sickness has to do with sin. But in this man, this special case circumstance, it had to do with his sin. Go and sin no more, like a, lest a worse thing befall thee. The great physician diagnosed his condition. The great physician healed him, and then his prescription was uh, to this man was go and sell no more, sin no more. Verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, that is a manslayer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. It seems like this is a summary of the Ten Commandments. But let none of you suffer. But if you, but if any man suffer as a Christian, Christianos is the Greek, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God. But let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And so judgment begins where? Well, with this, with uh, judgment begins with Israel, judgment begins with Iran, judgment begins um, with Russia, judgment begins always out there, over there somewhere. And my Bible tells me this, for, it, for the time has come that judgment must, it is necessary in the nature of the case, judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first began at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Now, here's the language that is really frightening that's used here. And so here Peter is speaking of unbelief through disobedience. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, what shall the ungodly and the sinner, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls, like a bank, to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So, so here it is, uh, unbelief through disobedience. This is an inward attitude, outwardly expressed. Now, I love the... Chris, I love the definitive nature of the uh, of the Greek. I love the uh, it just there's just a wonderful expose uh, that God provides for us in the original language that does not come across in the English. So here it is unbelief through disobedience. It is an inward attitude that is outwardly ex expressed. Now, these unbelievers don't know this language. They don't know the nuances of the language. They don't know that this language exists about them. But it's there. 
And so they have what? They have uh, constructive uh, awareness uh, that is, it, it's been put out there. There is, this is constructive declaration. This is constructive proclamation. And if you don't read it, the language is still there. It was made public. And so God is telling us exactly uh, uh, what, is, what goes on uh, with, these, with these people. Now, in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1, we have these words, quote, verse 1. So among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. Look what the false teachers do. Pseudo-didaskaloi is the Greek, false teachers. Pseudo-didaskaloi. And so pseudo doesn't mean fake or false. It means lying, literally. Lying teachers. There shall be lying teachers among you who privily shall bring in what? Damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. Direct question. Is Jesus the only way to get to heaven? Is he the only way of salvation? Direct question. When confronted by the cosmic system and its media, well, he is a way, but he is not the only way. And then everyone claps and everyone smiles and everyone applauds the heretic. And many shall follow their pernicious way, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Oh, man, aren't we there? Well, don't don't teach in that name. Isn't that what we have? Uh, what the Sanhedrin said uh, to to Peter when they arrested them and had uh, brought them before the elders of Israel in the Book of Acts. Don't 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 teach anymore in this name. And it was a direct command. And so uh, here he is. Peter knows his past. Peter knew that he had denied the Lord on the night of, that he was betrayed. And after his, after Peter terribly betrayed his Lord, the Lord Jesus turned and looked at him. Again, remember that word, blepho, to look at with the mind? And Jesus turned and looked at Peter and the Bible says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. I can't imagine Peter's anguish. His Lord had told him beforehand what he would do, when he would do it, how he would do it, and why he would do it, and where he would do it. That awareness wasn't in the past for Peter. It was present, covered by forgiving grace. I know what I did. And 
the guilt of my betrayal has been covered, literally has been wiped out by the blood of Jesus. But I still remember, and I still see it right now. You see why this man, this man's witness is so powerful? He goes on. And through covetousness, they show with feigned words, man. Here, we get our word plastics from this word. With feigned words, they'll make merchandise of you, man. Uh, that This means to, to buy and sell in the marketplace. There's so much meat in there. Whose judgment now for a long time lingers not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Now the template, the template. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down uh, into Tartarus, not hell, but Tartarus, it is a prison, and delivered them into chains of darkness, okay, to be reserved unto judgment. Now, this word reserved, this verb, this verb is in the present tense. Jesus uh, said that Gehenna was prepared for the devil and his angels. It is present tense. I want you to see the language that God uses with regard to coming judgment. So, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And so the flood came in to do what? To super-induce. That is, to bring, uh, to bring, uh, to inflict, uh, it means to inflict an evil charge uh, or an evil change. So God brought in this flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now notice, it is specific. Not on the world of everyone, but if you are under or you are among the ungodly, then yes. (laughs) So we have the flood. Verse 6, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example. And so here the word example means pattern, example, specimen. It also means exhibit. It is an exhibit for us to examine. It is presented to us by God. Exhibit one is what? It is the flood. Exhibit two, we have uh, the turning of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Exhibit three, and exhibit, and then we go on, and delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy lifestyle of the of, of of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. That's us, and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. Now, I need you to listen carefully to this language. This word, reserve, present infinitive, 
It is in so we have uh, we have uh, the present tense and this word means to reserve with unhappy results to reserve or to preserve with unhappy results. Now we there are people who are sinned against God. They have the form of wealth and happiness and what everyone desires. They have the form but they don't have the content. Believers may not have the form of outward wealth and uh, riches, but Paul writes that we have the the riches of divine grace. We have the superabundant riches of Christ. Lift for yourselves treasures in the heavenlies. We have superabundance in Christ. But these people that that are paraded before you as examples, oh, man, I want that life. I want to have this and that. Look at the eyes. Look at the eyes. And you will always, because this stuff is outside of the divine will, you will see the eyes of enslavement. Read the body language. You You will read the body language of enslavement of captivity. Don't be deceived about the outward riches of the world. Remember, the devil offered this world and his riches and his kingdoms to Jesus. And Jesus refused all this stuff I will give to thee if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, no. No, Jesus knew that the first coming was for what? To give his life as a ransom for men. My meat, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus would not and never deviated from the path that the Father had set for him in eternity past. The devil wanted Jesus to violate an eternal decree. The devil wanted Jesus to violate an eternal archetype fashioned by God before God flung the universe down into nothingness. So, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. He has done that for me many, 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 many times. And to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Listen, so-and-so got away with this. We can't, oh, we can't let them get away with it. Colazomenos. Colazomenos. Reserved for infliction. In the day of crisis, look, they don't know this language. They don't know what God has prepared for them. Well, the the uh, un, ungodly, sinful people don't until they die the first death. Then the, uh, the second death is eternal separation from God. Then they will live for, not live, but they will be forever in Gehenna with the devil and his angels. Where the Bible states, the Bible, Jesus calls it outer darkness, 
And Jesus said, this will be a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, uh, why does Jesus say that? Well, they're going to have resurrection bodies. But the resurrection bodies that dead have are designed for exquisite pain and suffering. That is, they will reap the reward or consequences of their sin. Oh, man. Just have you look into the eyes of people uh, in their in, in in their in their unbridled, their relentless uh, sexual depravity? What do you see? Do you see happiness? No, you see misery. You see a burned out. The personality is gone. The personality has been has been ruined through excess or through lust or through drugs or through alcohol, profligacy, lying, stealing. These things take a cumulative toll upon the person. So this is self-induced misery. This is self-induced madness. This is self-induced schizophrenia. This is self-induced pathology. Now, there are a couple places in the New Testament where the Bible actually uses the word pathos or pathology. Uh, it means the, con- uh, the, the diseased condition of the soul from which the lust springs. It is the word pathos, or uh, we, call it, we call it pathology, the diseased condition of the soul. If you walk with God, you can see this in people. You can experience it in people. You will know. You know, you will hear it. Why? Because the Spirit gives you discernment when you walk with God, when you fellowship with God, when you pray and when you praise, God opens doors and God blesses you and he gives you the power to walk through the valley of the shadow of death where you for no evil, for thou art with me. He will do that as our shepherd. Is he your shepherd tonight? We live in horrible, evil days. Now, I know you've been touched by evil. I know you have experienced it. And let me say, it is imperative for you and I to walk close with God. He is our protector. He is our good shepherd. And he protects his sheep. Get close to God. Walk walk with him. And by all means, look, pray for your family, pray for your family members, pray for pray for people who say, well, you know, I tried that, that church stuff. I'm not talking about church stuff. I'm talking about the person of Jesus. The church stuff may have left you down, left you bewildered and baffled. I'm talking about having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I'm talking about believing into the person of Jesus. And believing what he has done for you. He died for your sins. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So that you can have access to the tree of life. Jesus is our tree of life. And so until next time, God bless you. And if you have opportunity, please read John chapter chapter 1. Please read First and Second Peter. And so good night and may God bless you. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich.